0: We're going to talk to you a little bit this morning. We want you to turn to Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. And we know we've been going over this because we are talking about our assignment. So this is one of the assignment scriptures, amen. And I'm going to read it in the Amplified. For I know the plans and thoughts I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace, well-being, and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me. And you will come and pray to me. And I will hear your voice. And I will listen to you. Hear that. God said he'll listen to you when you call him. Then with deep longing you will seek me. And require me as a vital necessity. And you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes, and I will free you and gather you from the nations and from all the places where you have driven, says the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Powerful. Powerful. This morning, I want to talk from this subject. God's destiny for you, but we cannot forget about the relationship. God has a destiny for you, but you cannot forget about your relationship with God. Amen. Are y'all ready to hear this morning? Amen. Destiny. What is destiny? You hear, I know young girls named destiny and you know, I've heard all kinds of things about what's your destiny, worldly destiny and all that. So you know that God has a a chosen destiny for you, but the devil has one too. Which track are you on? Something to think about, right? Relationships. I want you to think about your relationships this morning. How important are they? Mother, father, siblings, friends, family. Relationships can be pretty important. Um, I've always been intrigued by destiny movies uh, Back to the Future, Christian Movies, uh, What If, Time Changer. I've always been fascinated about that. Um, and, and the premise of those movies is this. If I would have made this decision, this would happen. If I'd make one decision, it could change the course of my life forever. Isn't that powerful? Yeah, one decision can change your life forever. The Adjustment Bureau Bureau movie, we've talked about that before. Um, This is a movie about a United States congressman who discovers what to appear to be the chains of events in his life. They're controlled by this mysterious, powerful group. The plot of the movie is determinism, destiny, God's will. This is what it says on the Internet. This movie, that's the premise of this movie. What is God's will? This is a secular movie. Randy talked about that a few minutes ago and it's so true they're way ahead of us an intriguing new film that explores top themes of faith fate destiny divine and human will free will In this movie, they had to keep intervening and keep the character on course. They had to keep doing course corrections because if he got on the bus too early, he was going to meet the girl that was going to change the course of his life. So they made him spill coffee. Then he had to clean the coffee up. And they was like, whew, we got him. But then he saw again, so he got off course again. So these men were continually trying to get him back on course. You know, that's what God does for us. He sends his angels. He tries to intervene. He said, don't do it, baby. He tries to tell us. But we can be so stuck in patterns of our own will and what we think and how we think our life should be. We never really trust God. So let's talk about one decision situations that can create destiny. Y'all ready? What about a, a driver that's had too many drinks? He's a drunk driver. He goes out, drives, kills a family of five, changes his course, his destiny forever. Because if he does give his life to Jesus, he'll have a prison ministry whenever that happens. That changed the course of his life. What about the teenage boy who's promised a full-ride scholarship? Then one night he takes a joyride with his friends, and they rob a store. Somebody gets shot and killed, changes his course forever. What about the young woman who gets with the wrong man and he tears her life to shreds, leaves her broke, busted, and disgusted? What about that? What about a man, a young man that has a baby mama over here and a baby mama over here and a baby mommy over here, and by the time he gets married, he issuing out all his his checks with his baby mamas because of one decision. Y'all understand what I'm saying? can change the course of your life. Destiny, the events will necessarily happen to a particular person or a thing in the future. I want you to repeat this after me. My decisions create my destiny. Let's say it one more time. My decisions create my destiny. Now, did I say my decisions create your destiny? No. Does Pastor's decision create your destiny? No, your decisions create your destiny. I don't care how young you are, young ladies. I have a saying I tell my kids and they're, they're six, they're in sixth grade, they're 11 to 12 years old, they have autism and all that. I say, "But the choices you make today will affect your future. I've said that from day one, since I started teaching, it's true. The choices that you make, they direct you from your future. I can look over my life and I can clearly see some good decisions and some bad decisions that were made by my parents and grandparents. Uh, My mother was divorced at the age of 21. I mean, she got married when she was 16. And she made a decision not to let men run it all up and through our house because she had three girls. She made a decision. Don't even ask to go sleep over nobody's house because it wasn't happening. Don't even fix your lips, and the times I did fix my lips, I got in trouble because I was that kid. But why, can't you? I was that, and she was so patient with me. I, I, I've learned so much from watching my mother rear us. Um, she teach, she taught, she would deal with each one of us differently. So I had all the questions, and I don't want to know why. You know, you, I need to know why I can't go over Lisa's house. She my friend, and all this, and she just patiently say. Lungy, you, you can't go. She can't go. And I wanted to know why, but I know why now. Young mothers, it's, it's, it's not about you when you have children. We, I remember we could not hang around the bad kids on the street. We knew the bad kids. Everybody know the bad kids on the street? Okay, we couldn't hang around them. Don't go over there. Don't, don't go to the door. You can, and we lived around the corner from a Jew joint. If y'all know what a Jew joint is, it's a club for old people. No, we, we lived around the corner from a Jew joint. That's what we called it. How in the wall. I don't know. Just take your words. So, and we had friends who, grandparents owned the Jew joint. And boy, you better not be found around that corner at the Jew joint because you was going to be in trouble. My mother always said, it's enough for y'all to play together. It was four of us. It's enough for y'all. You can create your own games, and you can play. Y'all can play together. And boy, we played. Playing don't owe me nothing because I was a tomboy. I climbed a tree, broke a leg, broke an arm. I stoned my toe. I did it all. So playing don't owe me nothing. That was just a side note. But my mother intentionally raised us. She decided some things up front. I got three girls. I'm a young mother. We're not, we're not doing that. And that, that insulated us from so many things. You understand what I'm saying? I don't have the experiences that I when I counsel people. And my heart breaks when I hear what they, what's happened to them when they were five and six and seven. It breaks my heart. I can't even imagine that. So I give honor to my mom this morning. Ms. Janet Brooks, if you're looking, I love you. And I appreciate you, amen, because you kept us from danger seen and unseen, amen. Um, I was raised by my grandparents starting at the age of nine, and my grandmother joined the church where Pastor Norton became the pastor. I was 12 years old when he came to our church, and I met his daughter, Regina Norton, who met Rondy Long, Jr., who became the couple who discipled me, taught me ministry, and are now my pastor and first lady decisions were made for me do you think I was at the right place at the right time you think that my parents had some insight grandparents had some insight on what would be up the road they did I love the account of the conversion of Saul it is so powerful to me I've known many people I myself had a Damascus road experience and I'll share that in a minute but Paul was uh, Saul was radically saved Ooh, I just get goosebumps when I even think about the story because I love it. I want you to go there. I'm going to read it in the King James Version. I learned it in the King James Version. Amen. So I'm going to read it in that version. And Saul, yet breathing out threatens and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priests. And he desired the letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of his way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Saul, he was still Saul he was bad he was a bad man as he journeyed as Paul journeyed near Damascus and suddenly there shined around him a light from heaven and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying Saul Saul, why you persecuted me? And he said who art thou Lord? I could just see Paul like oh my gosh, he got me and the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. It is hard for thee to kiss against the pricks. And he trembled, astonished, saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told of thee what you must do. Let's stop right there. That was an instruction. So God told him to do so. Now he's talking to a man who has killed Christians. And Jesus is Lord. So he was talking to people. He was talking to him. He killed Christians. You think God was, Jesus was scared to talk to Paul? No, he's God. He's Saul. He's God. He knew what Saul. So he knew what he was doing. So he gave him instruction. He said, and the men which journeyed with him stood speechlessly, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. So that he had people with him. They could see Paul, I mean Saul like tripping on, getting out on the ground. And they were like, What? We don't know what's going on. But something was happening to Saul. Then Saul rose from the earth, and his eyes were open. He saw no man, which means he was blind, but led him by his hand. They led him by his hand and brought him to Damascus. He was there for three days without sight, neither did he eat or drink. And then there was a man, a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias, another instruction. So now God is dealing with Saul on his road to Damascus to go kill Christians. Then he talks to Ananias. Ananias, and the Lord said, and said the, the Lord in a vision, Ananias, he said, Behold, Lord, I'm right here. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight. And inquire of the house of Judah, for one named Saul of Torserus. For behold, he prayed and he seen a vision with the man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him that he receive his sight. Well, Ananias says, Well, Lord, you know, many have heard this man, you know, he's killing us. You sure you want me to go? And talk to Saul. God knew what he was doing, right? He knew what he was doing. So he said, you know, God, he's done much evil with the people in Jerusalem. You sure you want me to go talk to Saul? He's killing people. And he said, uh, he had authority from the chief priest to bind him and call on thy name. But the Lord said to him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel to me to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings and the children of Israel. You know, I love what Rundy preached this morning, the how to faith. So all this, is like, okay, first of all, you want me to go down this street. I can't see. Um, I got to get people to lead me. Then you speak to Ananias, and Ananias is going to come and lay his hand on me, and I'm going to see. Now, if they stop to ask all those questions, will we have all these books of the Bible? I doubt it. Would, would Saul's name be Paul? I don't know. Maybe somebody else would have came. But the important thing I want to point out in this is that they had a relationship. Well, Saul was beginning to have a relationship with the Lord, but Ananias had it. What if Ananias wouldn't say, I'm not going to talk to him because I'm just scared? I'm not doing it. Not. You got to know when you make decisions for God, they affect other people. If God has told you to go talk to somebody in the grocery store, that's for a purpose. How many of y'all been in the grocery store and you buying your stuff, you just trying to get in and get out and God said, go talk to her. Lane eight. I'd be like, oh, I just want to get my groceries and leave. But you have no idea the impact that you can have on people when you do what God tells you to do. Amen. That's why we can't be slow I understand why our pastor's always on us. We need to be evangelists. We need to be keen to the voice of the Lord when he tells us to do something. And now stop trying to reason. I'm tired. You a whole lot of stuff. But if you let the Lord use you because you're dead, your life is hidden in Christ, he can do what he wants to with your life. Amen. So, I, I remember my conversion in 1993. Lord Jesus. It was like everywhere I turned, it was Jesus, Jesus. Now, now let me go back. I was a church girl, been a church girl all my life, got baptized Now nine. So I knew how to be a church person, but I did not know Jesus. So I was uh, working downtown uh, at the law firm Vincent and Elkins, and I was walking across the street. And this lady, she was, I could see a light around her. She was just. Just real happy. I said, God, she is happy. I said, why she's so happy? And she handed me a track. I was appalled. I go to church. Why she handed me a track? I really was. I was put out. And it was uh, a track with David and Bathsheba, chick track. That's why I love chick tracks today. Amen. It was a, a chick track of David and Bathsheba. And I had it for, I think I still might have it. But she gave it to me, and I I waited till I got to my desk and read read it or whatever. So I was like, okay, that's good. So I remember it was a young lady. She's so precious too, very very nice young lady. Well, I was a big gossip before I came to the Lord. Just huge, mean, you know, just a mean gossip, just mean. And um, I had started running my mouth um, about this girl to the people at work, and I was new, just foolish, just young. I, think I was what I was 23, I was just young. And I didn't know God. Let me let me also say that I wasn't saved yet. So anyway, she you know, I had always been very good about getting away with stuff I did. I was kind of like throw you rock and you better not say nothing. Because then nobody really messed with me. I know, I know I'm I was four I'm four foot eleven, but nobody really messed with me. I was just like, I put it out there, like, no, don't come for me. I was mean. So she called me. She worked at the law firm I worked at, and she called me on the phone, and she was bawling, crying. I can't believe that you went back and told, uh, you know, so-and-so my business. I thought you were my friend. Before the first time, I felt conviction. I felt bad. I was like, oh, gosh, I don't want that to happen because she was so sweet. I've never felt that before. Let me rewind back. So I was sitting at my desk at the law firm, and I heard the voice of the Lord. Sort of like Paul did, but it was it was similar to Samuel, when God was calling Samuel, and uh, Samuel thought it was Eli. Well, he said, "Samuel, Samuel." He goes up, and what you want? I didn't call you. Well, I was sitting at my desk, and that very same thing happened to me. God said, "Alandria, Alandria," and I was like, "What? How did I know that was God?" I don't like Rundy said. I don't know if it was audible, but it sounded audible. It felt like it was audible. It felt like everybody in the whole uh, building, 24, 50 floor building heard it because it was so profound. He said, "A laundry, Alondria, Alondria, come. I said, God, you can't use me. You cannot use me. I said, I've done too much. I've done too much bad. I, I don't see how you could use me. But fast forward to this conversation with the girl on the phone in front of me about being uh, not her friend. That day, I... Uh, went into our, we had some workrooms back then, some like little places where we would file stuff, but it was room on the floor. And it was it was quiet that day. I think everybody was at lunch. And I fell on my knees and I said, Jesus, if you're real, show yourself to me. I said, I'm so sorry. I've, I've just been a bad person. If you could use my life, take it. i never forget, I went to Bible study the next week and Pastor Norton said, baby, you look different. I said, well, no. I'm okay. I, I didn't get a new hair. I don't do anything. I'm the same. And then my first lady said, Lonji, you look different. I said, I do? So I, that was my true conversion. And let me tell you, if you don't know your true conversion, ask the Lord to show you. I didn't always know that. It came in bits and pieces because I didn't really pull it all together. But I think it's important, it's important that you know how you were saved. It will really help you. So, so much has happened. I've been saved for 28 years. I made a conscious decision to accept the Lord at 23 years old. In my life, I will take nothing for this journey. I've been saved, filled with the Holy Ghost for 28 years. I wouldn't take nothing for it. You know how many mistakes I avoided? How many detours I avoided just by being really saved and filled with the Holy Ghost? Amen. So don't count that. You need to pull that together if you don't know your conversion. Ask the Lord to show you. I'm going to talk about three points very quickly. Faith, obedience, and wisdom. Remember, that sounds familiar, right? Because Pastor talked about it. You need three things to complete your assignment. That's what? Faith, obedience, and wisdom. I love the account of Abraham, the father of faith. And I'm going to read it in the King James Version. So, um, Genesis 15, 1 through 6. But after these things of the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He was Abram, then it wasn't Abraham yet. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly reward. But Abraham said, but Lord, what will you give me, seeing I have no children? I'm childless. I have no heir. But Abraham said, then Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring. And no one is born in my house as an heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This one shall not be your heir, who he thought it was. But the Lord said, It will come from your own body. So Abraham was already old by then when the Lord was telling him this, right? So he didn't think it would come from his own body. Then the Lord brought him outside. The Lord brought Abraham outside. Look now towards heaven and count the stars. If you're able to number them. He said to them, these shall be your descendants. And believe he believed the Lord, and it was counted to him for righteousness. He believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. You know, God wants to be believed. He wants to be believed. I love what, um, what, what Rhonda said, and I heard Jesse plan say that too. God told Jesse, I didn't ask you to do it. I asked you to believe for it. God wants to be believed. He can be believed. That's what faith is. He wants you to be believing in his word. Amen. So, you know, and, and let me tell you, the reason I have so many stories is because I'm 52. No other reason. I've just lived some life. So when people say, "You <laughs> I've lived some life, that's all. It just, that's it. So it does seem like I have a story for everything, but I, well, I've lived some life. So I just want to put that out there. Um, I remember... When I started my business in 1997, it was a total faith walk. I want you to go with me. So one morning in prayer, um, it was February of 1997, as a matter of fact. I was in prayer, and I was just loving Jesus, just worshiping God. That's how I became a worshiper. And I was just loving on him, and, you know, it was just nice. And all of a sudden, the Lord says, I want you to apply for the receptionist position at Vincent Elkins. Um, uh, I was like, Lord, I was just, you know, loving on you. I, you know, I was like a receptionist. <laughs> like, so it was in that time the Lord told me, so let me, let me tell you this little bit. I was a project assistant and all I was was a glorified clerk, um, I traveled with my company, I had an expense account I saw parts of the world that I've never seen before First time flying when I was 23 Had an expense account, so I ate up a bunch of stuff And charged it to the firm You know, so I was like, yes, this is a nice job So, when, I, when the Lord told me that I was like, I don't want to be a receptionist And just want any receptionist, a relief receptionist At the same place I work I couldn't understand that, the how, right? Like, how? Come on, God! I'm a project assistant. I had a big job; didn't make no money, but I I had a big job. And um, what? Well, I got the job because I had a associate's degree in to be a legal assistant. So I was a paralegal, but I, I didn't never want to be a paralegal. I just did it. But anyway, that was the track I was on. That was the track I was on. So God detoured my track. But I want to tell you. I want to remind you of this. In my relationship with the Lord, I really was. I didn't, when thinking about no job, I was just like, God, you're so good. Thank you so much. And it was just in that little relationship time where he broke in and said, do this. Now I I didn't I, I truly didn't fuss a lot. I was just like, I don't know how you gonna do this, but okay. So here I go, filled out an application, beer relief receptionist, told my family, and they were I mean, opposition, they act like they was they was losing their job. I couldn't understand that. The opposition just came. Well, you I've been telling everybody you're a paralegal, but I'm not a paralegal. Why would you tell people I'm a paralegal? And I don't understand what they have to do with you. So I had all this opposition like. Like, Lord, you sure you told me this? I knew what God said. How many of y'all know when God speaks? You knew what he was saying because I I I don't I had no desire to be a, a relief, a relief receptionist. That means I go relieve receptions for their breaks and they lunch. That's what a relief receptionist was. So I remember talking to pastor because uh, we worked there. He worked there, too. And I remember telling him, I said, you know, I believe that the Lord was telling me to be a relief receptionist. And I was like, I don't know about that. He said, well, you know, like, Pastor, you, you do what the Lord tells you, told you to do. So anyway, I, I did, and, I, and my boss, who was really had me on this track to be a legal assistant, and I, to this day, I, I really don't know why I did that. I, law is not me. I just don't know why. But anyway, she had me on the track in her head that she wanted me to be a legal assistant. So when I told her, she was like, why are you doing this? And I just finally, so I said, because God said it. She's like, okay. And she just signed the paper because she had to sign the paper. And uh, it was it was interesting. So fast, fast, fast forward, um, I got the job. <clears throat> and I was sitting out at this receptionist desk. Now, remember, uh, being a project assistant, or you don't know, a legal assistant, you're moving. You're, you're going through documents. You're going to other law firms. Uh, I was traveling a lot, almost every weekend. And it was just, it was fast. So here I am sitting down slow at the receptionist's desk, door barely open. And then I the phone, Vincent and Elkins, somebody got elevated, good morning. It was real slow. I was like, Dad, this is not really what I expected. But I knew what the Lord had said. So one day at the receptionist's desk, it was really quiet. The Lord spoke this You will have a business of creating designs. And when he said that, I saw baskets. I saw flowers. I saw all this stuff flash from my eyes. And I said, Lord, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. I was just saying, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. And he said, you will. I can really relate to Moses and Noah. I don't know if they had, well, we know Moses had a lot of back talk. I can't talk. You know, Noah was like, okay, I'm going to do it. But then I was like, I just started breathing hard. I started sweating. Just all that stuff. Because no one in my family had ever had a business. Nobody. You don't do that. You go work for the city. Or somewhere, and then you retire, and you sit at home. That was the expectation. That was it. So I was like, you know, I was like, I was shaking in my boots. For the young people, I was nervous. But I did it. Uh, Then he's, so, God is so brilliant, right? Because he's the creator of all things. He started talking to me about a website in 1997. So in 1997, you got to know, if you had a website, you were doing big business, I mean, big. I was like, Lord, I'm going to have a website. I was like, oh, gosh. I was just freaking out because I couldn't believe all this was coming. It didn't look good. It didn't feel good, y'all. But I did it. If you're right, I want you to write this down. This is very important because the Lord gave me this, so I want you to get it. Develop your relationship with the Lord so he can speak to you. Stop trying to come up, to come to him. To give you the next thing and enjoy the relationship. I'm going to say it again. Develop your relationship with the Lord so he can speak to you. Stop trying to come up to give him. Stop trying to come to him to give you the next thing and enjoy the relationship. Just enjoy the relationship because that's when you will meet him. That was one decision, I promise you, that changed the course of my life. While people were raising their children, I was starting a business. Uh, All my friends around me were having children, but I was was having a business. Today, that business, 24 years later, is a lucrative business. It has supported me all these years. I work full-time. I've done it for full-time, part-time. I've done hundreds of weddings, decorated houses, funerals. I'm a full-service florist company. And I would never stop this business. Why? Because God gave it to me. But it was in that relationship, guys. It wasn't like, it was just in that relationship. The Lord knows what gifts He has in you. But it was at that relationship time when I was just loving on Him that He told me. And I know we can get to that point when I was a young Christian, I was like, okay, God, do I do Mary Kay? Do I do this? Do I do that? Come on, do I go to school? Come on, Lord, tell me right now. That's not how it's going to work. God wants you to want Him. Amen. He wants you to want him. He wants to be wanted. So if you come into him just to get what he can give you, uh-uh, it's not going to happen. I was I, when I tell you it was a faith walk every step of the way. And I, I'm, I, I thought about that day. I think the way I believe the Lord told me this. I'm going to have to write a book because it was so much that happened with the starting of the business. But one thing that was so profound, I put on my business card, Romans 4, 20, and 21. And we can go there. Romans 4, 20 through 21. He staggered, not at the promise of God, but this is Abraham. This is talking about Abraham. Of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform it. I promise you I said this scripture 500 times because I was so afraid. But God gave it to me, so he was able to perform it. So that's why I understand um, a little bit, you know, as I keep growing, I'm learning more about Abraham and the decision he had to make to believe God. But Abraham had a relationship with the Lord. This just when somebody like Saul, he was walking by, he had a relationship with the Lord. So that is so important. That's the premise of my message today, that your relationship is rekindled with the Lord. Amen. If you don't have one, you can have one today. So I love the scripture in Proverbs. It says, uh, let others people praise you. I did a wedding last month <clears throat> and I met this event planner and she said, I wanted to meet you for many years. She said, you are a legend. I was like, excuse me, A legend. They're just like, you know, I don't know. I was like, I was, I was taking pictures and stuff, snap, 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 but I don't get off on that. That's why you should let other people praise you because I was there to drop off the flowers and leave. But that was so refreshing to know what God started, what he started 24 years ago, that it affected somebody. This lady I've never seen in my life. She's a Christian too, filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. So faith, let's read uh, Romans 10 and 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's how your faith comes. You know, make intentional things to increase your faith. Listen to the messages. Pastor tells us all the time when he gives a charge over this pulpit to listen to a message, you better be listening to that message because it is so powerful in that. When the instruction, when you follow the instruction, you are truly blessed. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's Hebrews 11 and 1. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For him that come to him must believe that he's a rewarder of him that diligently seek him. For what whatsoever is not of faith is sin. That's Romans 14 and 23. If you don't have that highlight in your Bible, that needs to be highlighted. For whatever is not faith is sin. You cannot please God without faith. Get your faith up. Believe God. He wants to be believed. Will you believe him today? Amen. It'll change the course of your life. Number two, obedience. If you will do it. So if you would do it, that's what obedience is. You will do it. Um, the account, and I'm not going to read all of it, but I want to briefly talk about Noah. Uh, Randy did in the first service, but he basically talked about, he was getting ready to prepare the ark. Again, Noah had a relationship with the Lord. That's how he could talk to him. Uh, in verse 22, I'll skip, I'll read, uh, six and 22. Noah did according to all that God commanded him to do so. So if you go back to 13, he gives him great instructions like, um, I'm gonna end all the flesh on the earth because it's filled with violence. I will destroy the earth. He said, Make an art of gopher wood, make rooms in the art and cover it inside and out. So the Lord said, Gopher wood, art of gopher wood. I can see some of us saying, You know, I'm gonna get some plywood because it's cheaper and it's on sale at Lowe's. And then I can see you getting in the middle of this, all this water, and what's going to happen? Yeah. You know, it was a, probably a good reason why the Lord said, go for a wood. But won't we do that? God tells us to do some instruction. Well, I'm going to just do it like this because it seemed right in. Break up with your brain. Break up with your brain. God know what he was saying. But you know, the plywood, girl, it's on sale. And you know, when I'm going to get the plywood, you're going to make a mess. The obedience is in the instruction, amen? Isaiah 119, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. That's two things. You got to be willing and you got to be obedient. You could be obedient, but you're not willing. You're still not going to eat the good of the land. I want you to hear that scripture because it's powerful. You can get one without the other, but if you do both of them, you get the good of the land. I did a show uh, on my show a few uh, years ago. I think it was last year. It was called The Ifs in the Bible. That is so powerful, the word if. You know, it's all over the Bible. If you do this, I'll do that. So if means it's an introduction to a conditional clause, meaning if you do this, you get this. If you don't get this, you don't get that. So the if scriptures are found in, let's see, the American Standard uh, Version of the Bible 1,588 times. In the modified King James Version, it's found 1,670 times. The word if. Isn't that powerful, right? Mark 4 and 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear what the Lord is saying. If, you got to have ears and you got to hear. Hebrews 3 and 15, as is told today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart in rebellion. Deuteronomy 28, 2, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if, if you obey the Lord your God. And this generation is, I'll do part of it because I, I can get it. I'll do part of it because I can see it. i do part of it. I'll do this piece. But you're still not going to get it because God is a God of principles. He's a God of order. And he wants you to obey him. So, if you don't, you don't. If you believe in your heart that Christ raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved if you believe it. If it's a big word in the Bible. Amen. Uh, another if. Today, okay, all the blessings will overcome and take you if you obey the Lord my God. So, I want to talk about one more quick story, I believe. Yes. Um, I want to talk about being obedient. And it's very important, young people. I want you to hear me. Uh, the littlest one here. I want you to hear me. It's important to obey your parents. And uh, because it is right in the Lord is what the scripture says. I, uh, Like I said, I was raised by my grandparents. And I had a unique, unique relationship with my grandparents. They were sweet people. Uh, they brought me to church. Uh, my grandfather was a deacon at his church. And they were just sweet people. But... I remember when I was 18, I wanted a car, and I was saving up my money, and I worked two jobs, three jobs, went to school. I was, I've always been a hard worker, never been afraid of work. So I would go to, to school and would put on my uniform for one job, go to school, leave school, go to work, have my uniform on, then have my other uniform on. These are all fast food restaurants, too. Put my other uniform on at the other job and go to the job next door. And I had my other uniform for the other job in my car for the next fast food job. Yeah, I was working. So my grandfather would see my work ethic. He wasn't a man of a lot of words, but I honored him. We always said, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. You better not say yes, you'll get popped. you get popped in your mouth. You say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Then if you even slip out one day, they be getting them eyes. You be like yes, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. So my grandfather was a man of few words, but I'll never forget, and I honor him today. He's gone on to be with the Lord. Um, he came to my in my room one day. He said, "Michelle, they couldn't say laundry, so they called my middle name Michelle." So she, he said, "You got your money for your car?" I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "Okay, let's get your money, go get your car." I was so excited. <laughs> My first car at 18. at a 1985 Plymouth Reliant. It was brown. It was nice. I was so happy. But one thing I, uh, about my grandfather, knowing that I obeyed him, I helped him and my grandmother as much as I could. And Ephesians 6.1 says, obey your parents for it is right in the Lord. It is right in the Lord to obey your parents. And I want you to write this wisdom key down because it's going to go with everything I just said. Someone is always observing you who is capable of greatly blessing you. Someone is always observing you who is capable of greatly blessing you. That's true. My grandfather, he, like I said, he wouldn't have manned a few words, but he knew I honored him. I obeyed him. I respected him. And he got me a car and paid my insurance for until I got married, till I left the house. So they so they they see me working hard. So honor children, honor your parents. If they tell you something, they know what they're talking about. You might think it's old school, you might, you know, jump and p- kick against stuff, but honor your parents. Obedience is tied to many blessings. Obedience is tied to so many blessings, and I can't get into more of that, but it's tied to so much when you obey. My last point is wisdom, how to do it. Proverbs 11 and 2, pride goes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble comes wisdom. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man's listen to advice. That's Proverbs 12 and 15. So, I always say, you know, you really need a kingdom mind to be a Christian. You come into a new place, new jurisdiction, and you try to bring what you learned in the world to the church, and they don't work. You fall every time flat. So there's something called worldly secular wisdom. That tends to be self-centered. It exalts itself. It exalts ourselves. When our heart is not submitted to God, we harbor pride, jealousy, and selfish ambitions. We use our wisdom against others. God's word causes such wisdom as earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Jesus pointed out that Satan fosters such thinking and gets people to focus on things from a human point of view, not from God. Jesus calls us to be wise as shrewd as serpents. But this wisdom is very unlike the worldly wisdom. Because godly wisdom, this is godly wisdom. It's innocent, it's gentle, it's reasonable, it's peace-loving, it's impartial, and it's sincere. It's full of mercy and willing to yield to others. It leads to godliness and peaceful relationships with others. Amen. And that's James 3 and 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The accounts that we read today, we talked about Abraham, Saul to Paul's conversion, Noah. They all had wisdom from God on how to do it. That's our word for today, Randy, how to do it. He told them exactly what to do. Some of them had questions. Some of them was like, okay, God, you said it because I have a relationship with you. I know you said it, so I'm going to do it. The precision of the instructions for all of them was to do something. And that something was believe God. God, uh, God humbled Saul on his way to the road to Damascus to kill more Christians. The instructions of the ark. Very clear, specific instructions. This wisdom from above is godly wisdom. And we need it. One more point the Lord gave me. I want you to write it down if you're writing. Impulsivity is not wisdom. Passivity is not using wisdom. Just doing something is not wisdom. You need to know how to do it. I'm going to say that again. Impulsivity is not wisdom. Passivity is using is not using wisdom. Just doing something is not wisdom. You need to know how to do it. What better way to find out what to do it than to get with the God who created everything? God has so much for you, and uh, I, I want to encourage you today to to deal with your relationship with the Lord. So, in closing, as I listen to great men of God, um, our pastor. Who's a great man of God? So much revelation that he gives us every Sunday. Jesse Duplantis, Lester Summerall, Kenneth Hagan, Kenneth Copeland. I hear one main thing, and it's their relationship with the Lord. That's it. That's what I hear. When I hear somebody say, you know, the Lord told me this, and the Lord told me that, and, you know, uh, and Jesse Duplantis, he's, he's, so, he's so light with his. He said, I gotta say, good morning, Jesse. And they have a relationship. It is in the relationship that you find your destiny. As you use your faith, obedience to God, and you get wisdom. You can continue to go around in circles if you don't exercise these three things. Because faith, obedience, and wisdom equals your destiny. Your true destiny. Your decisions create your future. I want to encourage you today to not forget the relationship. Don't come to God Um, just getting the next instruction because pride comes before the fall and God knows the tricks that you're trying to do. Learn to enjoy the journey. Knowing God and his ways. He wants to tell you so much. You know God created you. You didn't evolve. There's no big bang college people. You were divinely created. Look at your body. Look at your skin. It reproduces itself. What You were made in the image of God. Amen. I was, thought about this the other day. My little nieces were playing hide and seek. And they're seven and ten. And the one that's seven, she uh, hid up under the table. And of course, we could all see her. So my niece that's ten, she was like, okay, I see you. And we all seen her. But for some reason, she thought we couldn't see her because the table covered her head. That's how some of us do with God, especially when we're doing our own thing. Oh, you can't see me? No, I can still see you. I still see you. God is everywhere beholding the good and the evil. You cannot hide from God. He is your creator. And whether you acknowledge it or not, he is your creator. I believe it's the trick of the devil that relationships are dumbed down to how many friends you have on social media, how many friends you have on Facebook. I, I don't get that. And what I especially don't get is why somebody friends you and you don't know them. Like why and I and I guess I'm old because I don't understand that. I don't know you. Why would you send me a friend request? But the relationships matter. The relationship, your number one relationship is that with the Father. Amen. So every head bow, every eye close.